Hello, and welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Heather. And today we will be discussing Luckiest Girl Alive by Jessica Knoll. But before we dive in, let's focus on what's getting us through today. So I am drinking an espresso concoction. It's an iced gingerbread pod with an espresso pod and vanilla caramel creamer. It's a lot going on, but it's very delicious. There is a lot going on there, but it sounds it sounds good. I like that you're still in the holiday spirit, even though it's like Christmas is over. But I like the gingerbread feel. Listen, I bought these pods. What shall I do with them? <laughs> you have to drink them. What are you doing? They're not going to be good. Ne- they're not going to be good next year. I can't. I can't save them till June. <laughs> we got we got an espresso for uh, one of our wedding gifts, and obviously, I live in a small condo, so we don't have space for it. But I cannot wait to crack that baby open. Oh my god! When we get a house, I have two of them. I can't. Like, wait. I am so spoiled with my home coffee. Yeah, I feel like the Nespresso is like perfect because it, it kind of gives you that Starbucks fix without having to go out and spend all the money yeah, on it. Yeah, exactly. And then I never have to leave the house, which you know is my dream. Your favorite thing to not yes, do. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Uh, what are you thinking? <laughs> uh, so I'm just keeping it simple with a nice little K-cup, some half-calf because, you know, pregnant. I have to cut back on my caffeine, which has been terrible, <laughs> I'm but sure. I'm surviving. And I recently got the Coffee Mate chocolate chip cookie brown butter creamer whoa yeah i think it was only available at target my friend gabby suggested it and it's fantastic it's almost gone and i don't know if they're gonna have it anymore i don't know if it was just like a holiday special yeah that sounds intense but amazing i know and i put it in my uh sip by swell cup so it stays nice and warm nice i love it yeah i got my little my little yeti so we can keep my ice going yeah all right cheers cheers Happy podcasting. All right. Enough of that. Let's get into it. So Jessica Knoll, she got her start working for magazines. Uh, She was the senior editor at Cosmo and also an editor at Self Magazine. And now she's a New York Times bestselling author for this novel, uh, an executive producer on the Netflix version of Luckiest Girl Alive. And she's been named screenwriter to watch. She has two major published novels, this one and My Favorite Sister. And she has a story that she wrote that specifically appeared in Cosmo. It's um, an erotic romance series, and it's called 51 Shades of Blonde, which I thought was pretty funny. Wow. Love that. Um, She also has a bulldog named Beatrice, which is very important. Wait, Beatrice? Yes, Yes, a bulldog named Beatrice. That is the best dog name I've ever heard. It's like our friend Christina when she said she wants to name her next dog Susan. Yes. It's like I love human it. Human names for animals is my favorite thing in the world. And it's Beatrice the for a bulldog? Are you freaking kidding me? That's Yeah. I love so it. So I'm obsessed with her. Made my made my day. <laughs> I told you it was important. Um <laughs> okay, so let's get more specifically into details about this book and we'll go over a little summary. But before that, uh, some trigger warnings, sexual assault, gang rape, school shootings, and disordered eating. So this book was originally published in 2015. And here's what shocked me. Jessica Knoll drew from her own experiences of being bullied and gang raped as a teenager. And at first, when she first published the book, she denied that the book was based on any truth. She said that she based it on other people's experiences and other people's stories and like people who were close to her that she spoke to them, you know, to get 
their mindset, etc. But in 2016, she wrote an online essay describing her experience as a rape survivor. She decided to come forward because she had ended up interacting with so many rape survivors at book signings, and they would explain to her how they related through their own experiences to what she had written. And she couldn't keep looking them in the eye and telling them that she had made it all up. So she also said in an interview that she, quote, was so conditioned not to talk about it that it didn't even occur to her to be forthcoming, unquote, which really speaks to one of the major themes in this book, which we will get to. Wow, that's that's wild. Yeah. So that was, that was completely new information to me. And I, I'd never actually looked into her when I originally read the book. So, I mean, it wasn't like it was hidden. But it just made mm-hmm. me look at the book in such a different way because I'm just always assuming that these thrillers are complete fiction or completely made up or or a mashup of a bunch of different people's experiences. So I just thought that was... That is. And I, I like, as terrible as it is to experience that, it's kind of nice that your readers can read something and relate to it so much that it helps them process their own trauma. And at that, a fiction thriller book. Like, they were coming to her and saying, like, oh, yeah, this thriller was great, but also helped me come to terms with something that I experienced. So that that part's kind of crazy. And I'm sure that that's why she didn't say it right up front, because she didn't think that it would have that effect on rape survivors that it did, you know? Yeah, I I agree with that. So that that must be... That's that must be kind of cool for her. Yeah, yeah, and scary, but well, absolutely. I know. Like I said, the negativity of it isn't great, yeah. but to know that you're writing and you're especially of your own experience, even in a fiction way, is so relatable to other people. It's it's just nice to know you're not alone in those situations. Absolutely, and especially in 2015, 2016. I mean, that was definitely a different time than even we're in now. So it was probably even scarier, you know. Uh All right, so let's get into the summary of the book. At first glance, 28-year-old Ani appears to have the perfect life. She works as an editor at a glamorous New York City women's magazine and has a loving fiancé from a wealthy family. Yet Ani also hides a secret. As a teenager, she underwent a series of horrifying and emotionally crippling events, including a school shooting and gang rape, that have continued to impact her well into her adult years. Ani tried reaching out for help after her sexual assault, but was subjected to cruel bullying and taunts by her peers who did not believe her. This also leads to her suspected involvement in a school shooting where she ultimately killed one of the shooters, who also happened to be a friend of hers. As the story progresses, adult Ani begins to question whether she is truly happy with who she has become and if her current life is the one she wants and needs. So obviously this book is considered a thriller because it's fast paced. And in the book, the school shooting is hinted at, but it's not revealed until much later, especially the full details of it. Um, So that's, that's why they consider it a thriller. But I think there are so many more themes in this book, mainly PTSD, uh, Mm -hmm. regret, victim blaming, to name a few. Yeah. What other, what other themes struck you the hardest from this? Um, Honestly, if I make it personal, I think one of the themes was her relationship with her mother and the, how, how the relationship with her mother shaped her to who she was because 
Her mother wanted her to be this perfect size. She wanted her to have the perfect clothes. You know, so the disordered eating was hard to read just because as someone that struggled with their weight their entire life, you read these books and I just feel so sorry for these girls that like went through this. And I just, it was rough, you know, seeing how her mom was trying to shape her into this perfect little thing, which I don't think Ani wanted to be this perfect little thing, but eventually she strived to be that because that was how she grew up. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's, it wouldn't come off as one of the main themes, but it's so evident of how she still, when she thought that she had control over her image and she had finally built up this perfect self, she still struggled and she still had yeah. this thing that she couldn't get rid of. Because even as like adult Ani, she wanted to be the best at her job. She wanted to, to marry the richest, most successful guy because then if she does that, it makes her the most successful woman. And so she carried over all these traits that her mom tried to instill in her as a teenager into her adult life. And in a way, it shaped her into kind of this terrible person. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know. Because her mom was totally projecting that on her. It's not like her mom came from a rich family and was like, you have to do the same thing because look how great my life is. It was the complete opposite. She had, mm -hmm. I mean, they, they were a middle-class family. They were, I mean, they kind of made it seem like they were, you know, trying to cover up this like white trash persona by, yeah. you know, trying to appear that they had more money by sending her to this private school, by setting her up so that she wouldn't have the same future as the mom did but then it's also interesting to note that her father was basically absent from her life completely it was basically an absentee father especially during the aftermath of the school shooting he just basically disappears he just keeps leaving the house mm -hmm. he's working 12 plus hours a day if that even what he's doing and so i think that also had a, a huge impact on ani's life because she only had the only parental figure she really had was her mother, and it was someone that's trying to force her into a certain mold. Yeah, I totally agree. And like you said, after in the aftermath of everything, he appeared more by not appearing. Like before that, you barely yeah. heard about him. Exactly. It was just. It was basically the only thing you heard about him was Ani's mom convincing him that they needed to get her to go to this school and they needed to be able to afford it no matter what. Mm -hmm. All right, so. Let's talk a little bit about Ani herself. I guess both adult Ani and young Ani. I think she's sassy, she's strong, edgy, extremely well put together, but that's all such a mask. And it's so fragile that at any time, it could just all come crumbling down around her. Like she talks about how she has to toe that line between being the perfect fiance to Luke, but also being mm -hmm. edgy enough so that she doesn't fit in completely with like the other women that he could choose over her, like all these other mm -hmm. rich, you know, blue blood women, whatever. Um, and then it also shows in her, her, like we talked about her continued eating disorder and her obsession with her weight and her image. Like she's, putting on this persona of being strong, but underneath she is still struggling every day just to keep up that image. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So for me, and I even told you this, like as I was reading the book, I didn't like her at all. She was not likable to me. And I found myself having a really hard time to relate to her. But 
I think that her teenage self had some redeemable qualities. I think that young Ani could have been a better person. But like I said, her family life was terrible. Absentee father, mother who focused solely on her her body and her societal acceptance, Mm -hmm. you know, clothing. She only wanted her to wear brand clothing. She wanted her to only eat this or that. And then the kids at her school were pretty fucking terrible. Oh, yeah. Okay. So growing up with that will obviously also shape you into who who you become Mm -hmm. as an adult. And now she's this grown woman who's chasing success and wants to be rich, only buys, uses designer items. And so she becomes very, she almost becomes like, kind of like you said, it it is, it's a mask. She's trying to portray this certain identity that's not actually her. And so she does lose control a couple of times in the book because how long can you really keep up, keep up the the facade of being someone you're truly not? Right, right. And in that way, she's basically a victim of her circumstance because... When she was younger, she did ask for help, and we'll get into it. She did try to reach out, and she didn't have support from anyone around her, so she was kind of stifled. And then by the time that, you know, the biggest thing, which was the school shooting happened, she was completely disassociating. She had Mm -hmm. no way to deal with all of these things that were happening. So ultimately, she had to go into survival mode, and that bled into her adult life. And I totally, I totally see how she is unlikable, especially the way Jessica Knoll writes her. Like she's sassy. She's rude. She's so manipulative. I mean, personally, mm-hmm. I love it, but that's why I could, but that's like, that's your yeah, thing. That, that's why I'm like... <laughs> like you and I are like two, two different sides of a exactly. coin. Like our personalities are, that's why we, we, we get along so well because yeah. we're just we're opposites attract. You and I are opposites attract. I was like, girl, Ani is me. Like, what are you talking I about? I know. But it, it's so true. So th- that's why I, I truly understand why this could be a very polarizing book, regardless of the themes, which are very heavy. But the writing mm-hmm. could be very polarizing, which we'll obviously get into, too. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about Ani and her fiance, Luke. So Luke is obviously rich and perfect and a total stereotype. And as we get Ani's narrative, we realize that Luke really doesn't know her at all. He barely knows the trauma she went through. And he, he only sees what Ani wants him to see. Like she only lets little glimpses into her past or little glimpses into her relationship with her mother. And she puts on this mask of like, she even says, I'm always so good with, you know, the wives. I'm so good with other people Mm -hmm. because she's so good at putting on that mask. And then several times she questions whether she really wants to marry him. And it's like this internal struggle of should she live out the life that she worked so hard to create or should she actually be true to herself for the first time since she was a teenager before all the horrible things happened? Yeah. And if I remember correctly, I'm trying to think if I'm meshing the film and the book together, but didn't he also not like to talk about her past trauma? Yeah. He was definitely much more openly a dick in the book. They made him yeah. more likable in the movie. Oh, I agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. But in the book, he openly doesn't want her to do the documentary. He doesn't want her to mm-hmm. talk about the past. He won't even acknowledge that what she went through is rape. Like he says, yeah, I know. Oh, like, weren't you drunk though and he doesn't support her career goals because she's trying to work her way up in the magazine she's trying to get 
to move to, you know, a different magazine and get, get all these promotions. And he just barely takes her seriously. Like he, he's like, my career comes first. Our life is built off of him, which it is because he's wealthy and he has his famous name or whatever, but he doesn't, he doesn't support her at all. And he basically thinks like, if your goals don't align with what I'm doing, then we're going with what I'm doing. Yeah, the relationship felt very fake to me. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't a real relationship. And like you said, it was kind of what he says goes. Like he wanted to relocate to London Mm -hmm. because that's where his job was taking him. And he didn't care that Ani was going to have to leave behind her career that she worked so hard to achieve. So it's, again, obviously a toxic relationship. Exactly. But it's, it's almost like she was forcing herself to stay in it because it was part of that image that she had to have that perfect oh, image. Absolutely. Oh, that's why it comes back around to this is just the mask that she wears, yes. which brings us to our next relationship, which is Ani and her teacher, Mr. Larson, oh, which if you've only watched the movie version, you're in for a treat because Mr. Larson is a main character. And there are two This is complicated because there's two relationships. There's the relationship when she was his student and there's the relationship when they reconnect when they're both adults. So obviously when he was her teacher, he tried to help her. He tried to get her to go to the headmaster. She came to him crying after the rape incident and she tried and he tried to help her. He tried to encourage her, you know, to to come forward basically because he knew that the popular kids were basically pieces of trash. And in the book, it it came off as that he was respectful and that he didn't do anything inappropriate with her when she was a student. Like, I feel like he kept that distance. Yeah. I felt also felt like he was the only one on her side. He was the only one that was truly there for her and truly wanted her to seek the help and intervention that she desperately needed Absolutely. where everyone else didn't. And so I really liked him for that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that is why when they meet again, when she's an adult, that's why she's so drawn to him and she feels the need to get involved with him and thinks that she wants to have a relationship with him. Like he was the only person who actually understood her. He was the only person who believed her, who helped her, who encouraged her to speak out. She definitely didn't get that from her mother because her mother was like, uh-uh. don't you dare embarrass us. Just brush that under the rug. Yeah, Everything's yeah fine. basically it was your fault because you were drinking, which like, give me mm-hmm. a break. And then she obviously wasn't getting that from Luke. He wasn't supportive. He didn't want her to talk about her trauma, to talk about her past. So I think that her trying to reconnect with him and trying to have this relationship with him and like making out with him in their old his old classroom was just so symbolic that she could not let go of the past because she hadn't dealt with it. Listen, I 100% had the biggest crush on Mr. Larson. Right? I was rooting for for him since the beginning. And like we said, I think that the teenage relationship it, Ani may have had like a crush on her teacher which that happens when you're in high school. He never acted on it. He was definitely very polite and he, he knew he was, he wasn't inappropriate. Like you said, and when you think about it, he wasn't too much older than her mm-hmm. because he was freshly out of college. Yeah, he was like, not that I'm saying one like, or something. Yeah. I'm not saying that it was appropriate or anything like that, but I'm just saying, so this 
it's understandable too why she might have trusted in him because he wasn't too far off from her age in that sense. And then, you know, as when they meet in the present tense in the book, I just was, I was rooting for it. I was yes. like, when they kissed, I was like, yes. I was like, I was like, listen, this is probably wrong. Okay. <laughs> I, I watched the Hulu show, A Teacher, and I, I understand it's, you know, but obviously they're adults now. So the situation is different. Yeah. And I was like, Girl, it wasn't like a pretty little liar situation. Where... No, <laughs> I was like, this, should, this is who you should be dating. But Dump your fiance. That's the thing. So, yeah. like, as unlikable as Ani may be, he is so likable, mm-hmm. and you could, you obviously already know that she's unhappy in her relationship, and he was such a good guy in the past that you're rooting for them. You're like, yeah, leave your shitty fiance, and like, n- there's nothing wrong with his wife and his family, but she seemed boring and i was like you'd have a much more exciting life with crazy ass ani over here just yeah just make it happen and i think and i like the book version of mr larson better than the movie version yeah because there was no movie version they they left him out so so much but i also felt like in the movie they made the teacher version a little bit more inappropriate than he actually was in the book like that's a good point that's a good point mm -hmm. yeah because they they Obviously, because whatever you have to do, what you have to do for film, of course. And they have to smush him into this little, you know, Mm -hmm. however many minute segment. It's not like they made a TV series out of it. So I get it, but they they just didn't get they didn't portray the depth of how much he was willing to go to bat for her and how out of everyone at the school. Because obviously, even the teachers, the other administrators, the principal, all they cared about was image. So, like, they never would have taken down Dean or these other boys who were mm-hmm. wealthy and, can, you know, donating to the school. It's it's this whole typical stereotype. It's like Gilmore Girls. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to take down mm-hmm. these rich donors without some proof. And you're certainly not going to do it on the word of Ani, who's basically doesn't even have the money to go there and really doesn't fit in. No, it's it's all based on the rich society, and the more money you make, the more you can hide your faults exactly and your wrongdoings exactly because money covers everything. Mm-hmm. So, what about Ani and her decision to participate in the documentary, which was very different in the book than it was in the movie? Yeah. Because in the book, she was one hundred percent from the beginning participating because it was it was an opportunity to prove that she had finally become that perfect image that she had worked so hard on. And I think she wanted to show all those bullies how happy she was and how well adjusted. And it was also kind of a little fuck you to Luke because he really didn't want Mm -hmm. her to do it. And she had to actively claim her independence in their relationship. And so she was like, no, 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 like, I'm doing this. So I feel like her reasonings for doing the documentary in the first place were obviously for wrong reasons. Agree. Like you said, she just wants to prove that she's now this successful rich woman and ha ha ha, look what I did, shoving it in your face. But in the end, she actually gets to come to terms with what happened to her. And she gets that justification and that she never got when she was a kid. So I think that as much as her her thought process of doing it in the end it was the best decision she could have made i completely agree and also even the fact of 
the people making the documentary, they were saying you can come and have your opportunity to finally set the record straight and finally tell your side of the story because Ani never had. And you would think that that would be a motivator for her, but she Mm -hmm. didn't even care about that. She was like, I got to make sure I got that ring on my finger. I got to make sure I have Luke's last name. Like it was just so superficial, but I don't know if that was just her, you know, her reasons to convince herself when deep down, I'm sure she knew that it was the best decision. Yeah, and I like that the documentary people were on her side the entire time. Oh yeah, that they were they were doing this from her point of view, and they were doing it to try to vindicate her. Yes, because it would have been a very different. This whole book would have been a very different feel if the documentary people had believed what the public believed back mm-hmm. then. Uh huh. All right, so now let's talk about Dean. Dean, the trash monster that he is i just i can't i actually can't and his character was just trash on trash on trash so much so he's obviously this typical disgusting jock everyone wants to impress him even though everyone knows that he's annoying and like openly admits that he's annoying And he can never be embarrassed. So anything that happens, he has to turn everything around. If he starts to feel uncomfortable, then he needs to turn it around on someone else. And Ani knew that in order to be popular and hang out with these girls and get invited to things and hang out with Liam, who she had that big crush on, she had to deal with Dean. And even later, as adults, he spent his whole life being the face of the school shooting tragedy. He's in a wheelchair. Mm. He's spinning it to his advantage. He's a public speaker. He's writing books. He's making money. But you know that he hasn't really changed because he still won't take accountability for his actions until she literally forced him to say the words. She was like, no, no, Mm -hmm. it wasn't rape. Say, you raped me. And up until that point, he didn't think that he had done anything wrong besides falsely accusing her of being involved in like the planning of the shooting. He didn't even think that the rape was a thing. He was just like, oh, yeah, like, I shouldn't have hit you that one time when you tried to reject me. And it's so when I first read the book, I was on Team Liam, which I think is how you're supposed to feel as you read it. I'm like, oh, like this new kid wants to like date the other new kid. And then you find out that he's also trash. Mm -hmm. And that entire gang rape situation, it's it was just terrible. Terrible. Like it was the the fact that all three of them thought that it was okay, Liam, Peyton, and Dean. And then she wakes up in bed with Dean the next morning and he literally acts like nothing happened. Like nothing nothing inappropriate yeah. happened. He's like, You were acting so crazy last night because you were so drunk walking around without your pants on. Yeah, and then after that moment he kind of just keeps trying to like shoot a shot with her and she's just it's just it's it's hard. It's hard to read. It's it's a hard part to read yeah. just because you know a girl is sexually assaulted and as we said like no one believed her or no one was on her side and it kind of comes down to well who would believe you yeah and you know? the way that it was written i think was done really well because even ani is doubting what happened like she's yeah. like i remember him being on top of me i remember the next one the next one but i got so drunk and i shouldn't have done that and did that really happen and can I still have a relationship with Liam after this? I know. And that part is just so sad. Like Liam obviously backs off because of the whole, she gets pregnant and 
has to have an abortion and I think that he backed off anyways because he got what he want and it's so sad you know because they're in that school they're in the computer room and they're taking that quiz and he finds out she's a virgin and it becomes like this trophy he needs to achieve and it's so sad because after everything happens Ani still likes Liam she still wants to date him and he clearly does not want anything to do with her. And she thinks she, she has still, a chance. Like, she thinks... I know. And that's just... That breaks my heart. It really does. Because that, that happens. That's such a common thing that happens yeah. in young teenage girls' lives. And so it, it's just heartbreaking. And it was also the fact of, like, Dean was basically claiming his territory over her. So even yeah. if Liam wasn't a piece of shit, which I believe that he was, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have pursued her anyway because it was like no 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 dean is staking his territory now so i need to back off which again dean has no right to do no man has any right to claim territory over another human being you know and especially women and especially a sexual predator but that's besides the point yeah but also the fact of like exactly as you said when you're reading you're on liam's side at first and you're like oh my god Mm -hmm. this is so cute she has a crush on him and he put his arm around her and then they're gonna be Mm -hmm. at this party together but then in the end liam dies in this school shooting and he dies not as like a hero but he dies as she could never come out and say the truth about what happened because she would be speaking ill of the dead and how could you talk about a a child who died in such a tragic way how could you talk about them like that so that was another layer that added on to why she could never come forward about specifically that night which is so unfair to her because just because he died doesn't disregard the terrible thing that he did to another human being absolutely he shouldn't he shouldn't be a martyr just because he died in a school shooting Mm -hmm. absolutely i agree so that since we're mentioning the school shooting a lot let's talk about that and about Ani's friendship with Arthur which is why the whole perceived involvement that she had with the school shooting is kind of murky so I think that's a really another tragic part of this story because to Ani their friendship was so real and even though it was mostly them binge eating and shit talking and talking about Mm -hmm. how much the popular people sucked after she had already been like cast out of their good graces or whatever. She really thought that they were friends and she, I, I truly don't think that she knew what he was capable of. No, I think Arthur was really good at hiding exactly how much evil he had in him. I mean, you, you read the book and his, his tone of character in the book definitely came across as arrogant and an asshole and you you really couldn't like if i'm being completely honest with you i didn't see the school shooting coming at all yeah when that when that happened in the book i was literally like no pun intended like i was blown away i was like i couldn't sorry <laughs> i like couldn't believe it i was i was like wait i was like, I'm like what the fuck just happened and then when you find out that it was arthur and the other kid ben that was bullied by peyton and and dean and them that came up with this plan you know let's just shoot up the school it's just it's it's crazy Mm -hmm. it was it it took a turn in a way that i wasn't expecting which was one thing i liked about the book was that the twist of that was something i did not see yeah i knew something bad was going to happen i knew something bad was going to happen and the way they like that they hinted at it but you never knew what it actually was i 
Yeah. I mean, that I get why it's a thriller. I get why there was this big reveal and that's what it was. But mm-hmm. it, it's so hard to see coming because Arthur had redeeming moments. Like he was on he her did. first day of school. He was nice to her. And even though he would tell her like, oh, you're weak because you didn't report what they did to you. And, and he would bash her down mm-hmm. a lot. But then he defended her with that one teacher and got expelled yes. because of it. Mm-hmm. Or suspended or expelled. I don't remember. But he... I think he got expelled. Yeah, because he like punched a teacher or something. Um, so he did have these moments where he would stick up for her. And then afterwards, they talked about how they had all these uh, experts ex- examining all, you know, Ben and Arthur trying to figure out why they did it, etc. And they decided that Arthur was ultimately just a psychopath. And he yeah. thought that other people were inferior, inferior to him. They didn't deserve to live if he decided they didn't deserve to live. And so he used that manipulation to get Ben on his side because Ben was angry and wanted revenge about being bullied. And he had tendencies toward violence. So he used that and he was able to mirror compassion and he was able to be kind Mm -hmm. to her and able to pretend to be a friend to her. And she always has that thought in the back of her mind of would Arthur have asked me to join them if we didn't have that fight, if we, if our friendship didn't end yeah. So she kind of has that in the back of her mind. Like, was he grooming me to take part in that? Now, I don't know if you want to save this or if you want to talk about it now, but what were your thoughts on the difference between book Arthur and movie Arthur? I am I have a lot of thoughts. I think that they didn't include him enough in the movie, obviously. Like, randomly, he would just show up and put his arm around her, and that's how you knew that they were friends. Like, that part was weird. Mm-hmm. It didn't really show their interactions outside of the school. And I also struggle with how they portrayed him because I think in the movie, if they had portrayed him as everyone else saw him and why he was bullied because he was overweight and because he, you know, they're like, oh, he's so disgusting because all he does is eat. I think that that would have, that wouldn't have translated well into the movie because then it's like, oh, He shot up a school because he was fat and he was upset, but he got bullied for being fat. Like, it was so much deeper than that. So, See, I actually hated that they changed his character so much because I think the reason why his character worked in the book is because he was this overweight kid who has has his own eating disorder with binge eating, Mm -hmm. and he's an asshole. And it was... It really took... The movie took that away from me. It took that experience of reading in the book away from me in the movie. And I, I hated the kid in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a scrawny kid. I'm like, this isn't who he is. This isn't who he is in the book. And to to completely drastically change a main character like that so much, I was it was really disappointing. I, I definitely agree that they did not represent him well at all. Mm-hmm. And they didn't explain enough about why he wanted to kill people like there was no background it just happened it just happened yeah (laughs) it just happened i mean i'm sure we'll get into that more too when we talk about the movie but it really was just they didn't show how he could switch his emotions on and off and how really manipulative he was and even though he was being supportive to ani he was also saying like you're weak because you couldn't speak up you you should have done something you could have stopped them like he wasn't it encouraging her he was berating her yeah and then 
a moment that stuck out to me a lot too in the book was when they're going through an old yearbook and they're just degrading the other students. They're completely ruining their photos. They're writing very, very nasty, negative things. And in a way, he's almost incriminating Ani with that because the cops eventually find that and then they question if Ani was part of the school shooting or she was going to be. Mm-hmm. And like what kind of it's not great to have a friend that is so negative like that yeah and again like that wasn't shown in the movie and like i wish it was but reading that in the book you're you can kind of tell like arthur is he's Mm. he's kind of psychotic because then she steals a picture of him and his father and he goes off the handle loses it loses which is like what ends there which i think if i remember correctly that's like what ends their friendship or whatever and that's the last time the last interaction they had yeah and so you can kind of tell that he's unhinged you just don't know to what extent until the school shooting. Exactly. And then you, you think back on what you read previously and you're like, oh, this kid needs help. Yes. He's another one that needs help and that's never going to get it because he's clearly in a school that could give a shit less about their students. All they care about is money. And that's also because we're seeing it from Ani's perspective because she didn't see mm-hmm. how manipulative he was and how psychotic he was. She just saw it as like, yes, I have someone to vent about this with. And sometimes she would question it and be like, okay, he's a little too aggressive. But she never really yeah. thought too much about it. She was just like, oh, he's angry. And guess what? I'm angry too. So I think that because mm-hmm. we saw it through her perspective, that's why you couldn't see it coming. Because she certainly didn't see it coming either. Yeah, and I and I like that she had somebody that she was able to be with after being outcasted. It's just, it's unfortunate that, obviously, how, how events turned out. But it was kind of nice for her to have somebody that she could be her true self with. for Even if it was just for a short time in the book, it was, she was able to be her true self. And that was kind of nice. Yeah. yeah, and even if it was for her selfish reasons of having someone like that and not mm-hmm. seeing what was really right in front of her. Yeah. So then it turns out that that person who was her friend, she ends up killing in the school shooting and Mm -hmm. that's why it gets kind of muddy with the cops and they're like were you involved in this because dean points a finger at her and says that she was in on it she reached for the gun she was going to shoot me when really she says i was just trying to reach for the gun so that i didn't get shot and then she ends up Mm -hmm. stabbing her friend in the neck yeah which is mind-blowing i i didn't see that coming either i did not see it coming no that's how that that was gonna end but like, are we surprised that Dean would also place blame on someone else? Not that he at wouldn't. All. That he wouldn't. Not that. Not that the shooting happened because of him, but because of people like him bullying other students, it causes th- these people to go off the handle. But he can never admit that he's a terrible person. Absolutely. So of course he's yeah. going to say, "Oh, she was part of it. She wanted to kill me, or whatever." Yeah, yeah. Because in in his mind, he knew that he did something that pissed her mm-hmm. off he didn't call it what it was but he knew he did something that could make her angry enough yeah so i think that brings us to how all of that that happened all of that unresolved trauma in ani's past how that shapes who she is now and we talked a lot about that already about when we talk about adult ani but mm-hmm. she's so convinced that she can't achieve true happiness 
but she, it doesn't matter to her as long as she can appear perfect, as long as she can appear edgy, but never messy, never ra- never rattled or caught off guard. She just has to put on that mask and then everything else. She's just accepted that she's not going to be truly happy. She's going to have the appearance of happiness instead and like convinces herself that that's going to be enough for her. And I actually, yeah, I agree. I don't think Ani's goal in life is to be truly happy. I think, I think she's had too much trauma, unresolved trauma that she's hasn't truly spoken about with therapeutic intervention. Exactly. So how can you be happy if you can't revisit the past and accept what happened to you and, and really work through that trauma? So I definitely don't think that, that her goal in life is to be happy. I think it's to appear that she has everything that no one else has. And what example does she have? Her mother was never happy. So Mm -hmm. I don't think she thinks true happiness is even achievable. Agreed. So my, I highlighted one thing from this book and I think it speaks a lot. So it says my favorite strategy is to feign inferiority and encourage my enemy's ignorance. So since she was never able to have power over Dean power over really anyone, including herself, she's taught herself to silently take that power back Mm-hmm. And even if she's looking like she's not as smart as she really is, or she's not as strong as she really is, it doesn't matter because in her head, she's like, I know that I'm smarter than you. And I know that I'm playing you. So she's constantly in survival mode, always thinking one step ahead because of the PTSD that she suffered. And mm-hmm. then she just has to live the entire rest of her life in survival mode, which is no life at all. No, it's it's not. All right. Any other thoughts on the book and the themes or do you want to jump to the ratings? No, it looks like we discussed everything I had written down in my notes. Perfect. Okay. (laughs) All right. So I feel like we rip books apart and then rate them and people are probably like, that's not what I expected. All right. But this is our rating scale for today. The rating scale is how many punches to the face Dean deserves every time he speaks. Okay, well, if we're talking about in general, a million, but (laughs) every time he opens his mouth, actually. Okay, maybe that's not the best rating scale, but that's what we're going with. Mm -mm. I love it. So I had issues with the ending. I thought the fiance thing with him like breaking the photo frame and that's the reason that she decided to leave him. I thought that sucked. I think the fiance sucks and he agrees. He Mm -hmm. should have been brought down several notches, but I just didn't Mm -hmm. love how that played out. I thought it could have been done a lot better. Um, I'm still rating this highly because reading Jessica Knoll is so familiar feeling to me. Like she is dry and sassy and she has her characters refer to death in this removed way, which is literally me. So I definitely see how people would not like her writing style, but personally, that's what makes this book for me. So I'm giving it four punches to Dean's face. How about you? How many times are you punching Dean? Too many. Um, (laughs) If you remember, when I first started reading this book, I texted you and I was like, I can't get behind this writing style. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it's so different from what I had been reading. And, but then eventually I... It got its groove and I was able to enjoy it. I also gave it four punches to Dean's face. Uh, There were some, I had some problems with it, like with any book, but I still enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm not going to rate it lower just because of whatever inferior writing problems or anything like that. Because the story was good. The story was good. Yeah. The story was empowering. The story was heartbreaking. It was traumatic. It had all these undertones of, you know, trauma and trying to find who you are as a teenager. And it was relatable. Yeah. It was relatable for me in a lot of ways with the bullying and the the eating disorders, the binge eating, and just trying to find who you are in high school. Mm-hmm. And then having to experience what Ani went through and still coming out pretty strong on the other side of it. She might not be her best version of herself, but she came out of it and she created this life for her that isn't necessarily the best life, but it's the best life for her. Yeah. And I totally agree. And it accomplished the goals that she set for herself. Mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's part of it too with the ratings. It's not necessarily just based on the writing or just based on the story but it's also i think that this is something other people should read i think that this is yeah this is so powerful in its message about how whether it's a thriller or not and whether it's fiction or not about how trauma can manifest itself in the rest of your life if it's unresolved yeah and i feel like when i write books i base it more off my feelings yeah than i do the the story and the writing it's more how did this book make me feel did it have an impact on me at any time throughout throughout my reading of it and this book impacted me a yeah. lot in different ways so it's it's how could i not rate rate it highly when it definitely made me yeah. think if a book makes me think you're getting a high yeah. rating i totally agree if you're yeah if if you don't make me think and i don't get it you're at yeah. a low rating yeah. but this book made me think it made me feel so i have to go with my yeah. four four punches i agree with that and then i think it starts with the feelings and then if there's really good writing you add a little bit if there's really bad writing mm-hmm. you take away a little bit that that comes secondary mm-hmm. all right yeah. so we talked about it uh quite a bit already but let's just focus on the netflix movie adaptation real quick um Okay. So Jessica Knoll did write the screenplay. So all of the changes from the book were made specifically by her. Yeah. Uh, I do have a lot of issues with the movie. I think it missed a lot of things that should have been in there to convey really the, the full message. But what I do not have a problem with is Mila Kunis because girl, without Mila Kunis, I would have hated this movie, but her inner voice that is just, monotone and snarky and always one step ahead was adult Ani. Like it was, it was her perfectly. Yeah, I agree. I don't think any other actress could have played Ani more perfectly than Mila Kunis. Did. Yeah, I can't see anyone else and, doing that. No, and I, I agree that there was a lot missing. I think I would have preferred this being a limited series because I think that there, the book was so heavily detailed and a lot of that detail was left out. Mm-hmm. And I think that this would have served better as a limited series than a movie because you can't fully grasp how fucked up yeah. this story is. I totally agree. And Jessica Knoll did say that, that she struggled because she couldn't write it as the shooting being this big reveal because the book has been out for so long. So it's been out since 2015. Mm-hmm. So she, she had to approach it from a different angle and basically reveal the shooting up front and then show more of Ani's childhood and more how she dealt with it and it affected her. So it was definitely more focused on Ani, which left a lot of the other characters as just fringe. Like it didn't, it yeah. didn't 
explore how they made her the way that she was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I also had, I'm torn and I, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this about the movie showing Dean only assaulting her once. Because on one hand, I feel like it's important to show that he is an actual serial predator. So all of these people who say like, oh my God, you're going to ruin his life over one mistake. They could back the fuck up because he did this multiple times. But then on the other hand, it's so important because it doesn't have to happen more than once to literally ruin Ani's life. So that's why I'm conflicted on it. What do you think? I can see what you're saying, but I think it should have all been shown. I think that all of Dean's attributes to him being the world's largest prick needed (laughs) to be shown. But that's what I'm saying. I feel like the movie just, it did, there's so many layers to these supporting characters in this book. And only one layer was shown in the movie. And it's not enough, like I said, to fully grasp this story. Well, I think they took out all of those layers and basically reduced it down to this movie is about a woman taking her power back after being raped. She's handling it in her own way. She writes her own story and she lets people make their own judgments of her with no proof Mm -hmm. from Dean because in the book, she obviously got the proof on the recording and they were able to put it in the documentary. But in the, in the movie, she doesn't share that proof. She just writes the story and she lets everyone make their own judgments decide whether they believe her or not and i think that's a great message but it just doesn't represent the book well enough no it doesn't at all So it's basically a completely different thing um Mm -hmm. and do you want to tell us about the vanity fair article that jessica knoll wrote about this? yes so i had found this vanity fair article and the interviewer had said Like you mentioned, parts of this book are based on experiences you've had, specifically the sexual assault. Watching those scenes on screen is very different from reading those scenes in the book, which I agree with. What has, what was the experience like of taking what you had written and then adapting it for the film, knowing that it was based in part on your life? So what Jessica had said was, the art of actually adapting it, like sitting at my computer and writing it, was no different than writing it in the book but I did not go to the set that day when they filmed those scenes. I was really concerned for the young men who were playing the perpetrators. I was also worried about Kiara, who played young Ani in the movie, but I was also trying to be careful not to overwhelm her with comments like, are you sure you're okay? Because she had made a comment to the intimacy coordinator that those were almost making her anxiety worse. So I knew this was going to be difficult for everyone to film, and I decided... Why would I be there and add another layer of them feeling like, okay, the woman who this actually happened to is sitting watching this. They want to do their jobs and I don't need to make it more difficult. I went shopping that day instead. (laughs) I took myself out to lunch. I had a nice little time. (laughs) And then she says, watching it on screen, though, it's one of those things where you normalize what has happened to you in your head. It was rape, but like they were also drunk. It was probably a misunderstanding. It's not as bad as it was. But seeing it, you're just like, oh my god, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Like, that's what you did to me? No, this is cut and dry. You knew what you were doing was wrong. I almost feel like it was good for me to see it in that sense because I still have moments of self-doubt. Like, do I really deserve to feel the way I feel about this? Seeing it, I'm like, yeah, I do. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. That, man, that, that just speaks to so much because... The first part about 
everyone having this anxiety about filming it and all the build up to it. This shit happens every single day. Women are assaulted. Mm -hmm. Children are assaulted. People get too drunk and assault. Like this happens every single day. And the fact that and even even men are assaulted. Absolutely, absolutely. And the fact that filming it has all these layers of anxiety to it is mind blowing when it's such a normal occurrence. And then mm-hmm. the fact of her saying, once I actually saw it, it changed her entire outlook on it. And that's, that is so real because there are so many people, women and men who doubt survivors who come forward, who doubt their stories, who mm-hmm. try to make excuses. Oh, you were too drunk. Oh, it was, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But then once it happens to you, it's different. Once you see it happening, mm-hmm. it's different. Once it happens to someone that you love, all of a sudden it's different. And so I think that's that's a really, I mean, she's right. It was very hard to watch. It was very, very hard to watch. Yeah. And I, I like that she had this feeling for the, you know, the actors and she wanted to make sure that they were going to be okay. And that's just really remarkable to mm-hmm. me. And the fact that she was so worried about Kiara and her having to experience the situation, even though in the movie it's it's fake, mm-hmm. but it, it happened to Jessica. So it's just, I, I applaud her for, you know, taking a step back and not putting herself in that position where it might have made it harder on the, the whole crew and the actors. Yeah. Because I could imagine acting out that scene in front of the person it, it happened to. No, no absolutely not. No, That's why it it really reframed my whole opinion of this once I found out that it was based on her experiences. And even for those actors, they have they watch it too, and they see like, mm-hmm. oh, to us we were just acting. But then, like when you see it all edited together, holy shit, man! That's it's it's not not easy to watch. That is for sure. No. So I think the only other thing about the movie which we already talked about is they left out her entire relationship with the, with her, with Mr. Larson which I thought was unnecessary and ridiculous because it it further supports the theme that she can't let go of the past so I think that would yeah. be important to to leave in there but overall I enjoyed the movie because of Mila Kunis um if we're mm-hmm. comparing it I didn't enjoy the movie but if I just watched it as a standalone I, I don't think I would have fully understood it, but I would have enjoyed it for watching sake. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I had like our friend Christina watched the movie and she loved mm-hmm. it. So I think us after reading the book first and watching the movie, we saw all the discrepancies. Right. So I think if you watch the movie without reading the book, you're like, oh, this is a crazy story. But then you read the book and you're like, oh, fuck. No, this is a crazy yeah. story. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> it's, I mean... But how often does that happen when books are I know. adapted into movies? I just, it's so mind-blowing. Jessica Knoll, she's got two published books. And all of a sudden, seven years after her book is a bestseller, they're like, by the way, we're putting it on Netflix with Mila Kunis. Are you kidding me? Like, I know. a dream come true. <laughs> I know. It's wonderful. So for her. Mm-hmm. I agree, because this is, like, the first thing she's done in a while, too. She hasn't really been acting much, so this was kind of yeah. nice to see her like, have, like, a, a comeback. Yeah, absolutely. All right, do you have any other thoughts? No, I think we covered everything. Great. All right, so that's all we have for you this time. We'll see you in two weeks with our next review. 
To find out what up- upcoming books we'll be discussing, make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Fully Booked Calf Pod. Thanks for checking us out. And remember, if you need us, we're fully booked. Bye. Bye.